0: 169 of the not your mama's gamer podcast a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective my name is samantha blackman and i'm an associate professor here at purdue university in west lafayette indiana where i talk about read about write about dream about amongst other things video games video games video games we are joined tonight by a special uh podcast guest Um, as well as uh, a regular co-host, but we'll start with a special guest tonight. We have with us Kevin Harwood, who is the creative director and producer uh, of the game The Station, which is done by The Station Games. We'll we'll talk more about that in a little bit. (laughs) Um, Kevin, how are you today? Let's start with that.
2: I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your project.
2: Yeah, huh. so I'm I'm Kev. I'm up here in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I work on the Indian and big game circuit around North America. Uh, I've done. It, gaming industry is so small a community, as you guys so well know. So I just get para-dropped onto um, a ton <laughs> of games here and there. Usually interesting enough in the marketing component. So this is actually my first project leading a production.
0: Nice. Well, it's well, a I good, it's a a hell good of a project start. to lead, to, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, we're also joined by our regular co-host, Alicia Carabinus. Alicia, how are you, darling? Um, I'm okay. I'm
1: going to be probably quieter than usual because uh, early springtime is bad asthma time for me and Indiana's trying to kill me. So <clears throat> there's just a preview of what you're not going to hear because I'm going to mute it. Um <laughs> So uh, I get get to say something very exciting this time. Uh, I'm Alicia Karabinis. I'm a PhD student at Purdue University. And I only have maybe one more podcast in which I'm going to say I'm a PhD student because right after that I defend my prospectus. And obviously I'm going to leave that moment a PhD candidate.
0: Yes, obviously you will.
1: (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) We're not leaving until I'm a candidate. So um, that's where we live until I am. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, we'll make we'll make sure you're out of there because I want to stay there all day. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we're going to go through our usual: what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking, and we'll go through fairly quickly. Um, I say that, and I mean it this time uh, because we really want to get into talking to to Kev about okay. about the station. So, and we're going to pretend we have some manners around here, and we'll start with Kevin. Uh, Kev, what what are you playing lately?
2: You know what? Um, when it comes time to launch. You, you don't really play games. They just sort of play you. You just try and, like, de-stress as much as you can. So I've been PUBGing hard. Uh, it's, I've been dropping, and it's been nuts. I also recently uh, just had PlayStation send me uh, one of their VR dev kits, and uh, I'm not actually sure if I'm supposed to say that. Never mind. So they didn't. And I've just been playing a random <laughs> PlayStation dev kit, and I've been playing a ton of super hot and Skyrim in VR, just anything I can get my hands on in Skyrim or in, uh, in VR.
0: Oh, there's some yeah. there's some pretty cool looking stuff in Sky and PlayStation VR. Um, there's the the cute little RPG game that has the mouse called like Moss. I saw that and I was really tempted to get a PlayStation uh, VR kit, but I've got a history of the VR of uh, VR headsets making me real nauseous. So, but I haven't tried the PlayStation one yet. So I'm gonna have to go somewhere and try one before I like actually buy one. So, you know
2: what? That's fascinating. You say that because. I, I got, uh, Oculus sent me their DK2 Mm -hmm. back, I don't know, four years ago, and to me, I was so excited when I took it out of the box, and then I quickly figured out that it's just a really expensive vomit simulator, and I had to put it down immediately, because, I mean, who would have thought, when you're sitting in a basement, on a roller coaster simulator, it wouldn't go very well. Um, the amount of times people would come down into my basement and play, bullet dodge and smash their head on the table it was unreal so <laughs> i quickly retired that device but then the playstation vr is i mean they're they're not paying me to say this but it is incredibly well done it is such I a step forward things
0: yeah I, I might i might have to try that because some of the stuff coming out on playstation vr looks really good yeah it does um, yeah. and i
1: will i will say this i've had a lot of students who've studied this, uh, the motion sickness issue with VR. Um, my students every semester do a big project where they have to come up with a solution to something, and this is something they're fascinated by. Um, but I haven't had any of them study that product, but I have heard better things about it, so I might see if I can point some in that direction, mm. see if they can figure out, you know, what's what's the difference.
2: The, mm. the big thing that I can point you to is, uh, I, I know a lot of studios that specifically focus on VR. Uh, you've probably already seen this, but in the PlayStation store for vr there's only like 50 games yeah there's not a lot of content right now and it's mainly because they have such a high strict standard of what actually makes it into the store and the big thing that people struggle with is hitting maintaining the 90 fps the entire time Mm -hmm. um on the standardized hardware and so now that the games are coming out uh and they've been held to such a rigorous standard they're they're great because you don't get sick
0: yeah I i might have to try that Cause, like I said, the, some of the games. Cause, like I said, there's not a whole lot of games, but what's in there looks really good, mm. um, and I've been tempted. So, yeah, thanks for that.
1: Except for VR horror games, because I'm pretty sure that I would literally shit myself, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not here for that.
0: You probably Sam would. has watched
1: me play some intense horror games. It's not pretty. Yeah,
0: you probably would.
1: <laughs> mm, or I would just cry a lot. It would be awful. <laughs> All right. Alicia, what about you, darling? What you been playing? Um, you know, I have been playing a whole lot of Slay the Spire. <laughs> um, so it's this uh I don't know, it's roguelike deck building game um that I got for my birthday from a friend of mine who who knows what I like. Uh, which are the best kind of friends to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so fun because you can play for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes and then come back to it, which is the best kind of game for me because I can do it as a distraction while I'm working on other things. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Definitely recommend if you like to die over and over in horrible new ways, and if you like to grind just for the sake of grinding. Um, I like to suffer, so this is my kind of game. Uh, I've also play. I played the Station. Uh, what else have I been playing? I play- You know what? I went back and I played a little bit of Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, which I hadn't done in a while. But I had this sudden urge to like beat a bunch of men up without actually killing them. Um, And that's how I play Metal Gear Solid V. So that was a nice distraction. Uh, But I don't think I've played much lately because I've had so much work to do this semester. I think that pretty much covers everything. Oh, I played some Reigns Her Majesty, which is delightful and immediately different from the original Reigns in a lot of really good ways. Super feminist, right out of the gate, very snarky. Um, I recommend that for everybody, too.
0: Yeah, I played a lot of that when I was traveling, Um, not last week, but the week before, because I was uh, on a plane, uh, mm-hmm. so I played a lot of that when I was traveling. And It was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, the self awareness in that game just right out of the gate, you're just like, "Damn! <laughs> like, oh, look, this
0: queen is really effective. Let's kill her." Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, well, I'm I've I've been traveling a lot, so I haven't been playing a lot of um a lot of larger games. I think we can put it that way because I've been carrying my Switch with me because I can, you know, move around with it and, and stuff. So, um, I played, um, this really cute, this like a little tiny, um, puzzle slash point and click adventure game, um, called one. Eyed I'm going to slaughter this cause it's from a little Russian studio. One eye. <laughs> um, yeah, which is really fun. Uh, and it's a really super short game. I think I finished it in like an hour. And that was because I was trying to hit everything. Um, I've been playing um, Mulaka as well, uh, which is really fun. You're going to hear, folks are going to hear more about that. So I'm not going to go on and on about that because uh, I'm going to go on and on about that other places a little later. <laughs> um, I'm ready to go on and on about it with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, PUBG. I've been playing a lot of PUBG. I get, I get the PUBG bug and then I don't want to play anything but PUBG. Um, and that's kind of where I've been for like the last week or so since I've been home. I've been playing a lot of PUBG, like, all the time. It's like, yeah, I got 20 minutes. Let's see who wants to play PUBG. And then three hours later, I'm still playing PUBG. Um, And, of course, The Station. Um, I've been playing The Station. Uh, I played through, just kind of straight through the first time I played it. Um, And I really enjoyed it, and it kind of blew my mind. So we're going to talk about that without talking about... (laughs) You know the end, maybe. I really oh no, but the end is so good. I really want to go back because there's some
1: things I missed and I didn't realize at the time that I wouldn't be able to go back to certain places. So I'm gonna play it again. Yep, that's
0: what I. That's why I had to go back and I was because yeah. I went back because I I missed two achievements. Um, so I had to go back. So oh, I, no. I had to go back because one of them was find all. I I always called them when I was playing. I was like, oh look, it's a glowy talky orb. Um, so. <laughs> So the voice recordings, I had to go back and find those. And then the other one will solve all the puzzles. And apparently somewhere I'm, I missed one of the puzzles because I still have not gotten that achievement. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. I have to say, we're going to talk about this later, but I'm going to say it now while I'm thinking about it. I usually do not like puzzles in games, but I really enjoy these. These were fun. They were fun. Yeah. And I want to talk about the paintings.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, oh. I'm going to warn you now. We're
0: going to talk. About, I took screenshots of all the paintings. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, they were so good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've uh, so I've got I've gotta finish cause I've got to finish because I've got to get that last achievement in the station because I want to find out <laughs> what that other puzzle was. I love puzzle games, so this was right up my alley. Um, and so that's what I've been playing. Um, what about reading? Uh, is anybody reading anything interesting? What about you, Kev? Anything interesting? You know, not like you haven't been busy or anything. Mm.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm a I love uh, I love reading. The my Christmas wish list was. Over overbought, I, I was really happy. Uh, I've been reading through a weird uh, eclectic mix of things. I don't know if you guys all know the latest can- Canadian celebrity, Jordan Peterson. Uh, he's yeah. this uh, free speech activist out in Toronto, and he published a book on how to not screw up your life. And so I've been uh, reading through that. Uh, I've been, interestingly, uh, reading through Pixar's latest book on creativity. I think it's three years old at this point now, but it's fantastic on how they run their production. Uh, I've been reading The Art of War by Sun Zhao Uh, because, you know, why not? This is the time, I suppose, to do it. Um, And then uh, I actually was given a book by my sister, who's a, um, she does Broadway, and she was researching a role or something, but I don't know how, and I don't know how I got this in my head, but it's a book on the rise and fall of the Third Reich, uh, written from the perspective of a Jewish journalist living in Berlin uh, during the whole rise of it, who was a reporter for for the BBC. So I've been swapping around between those books.
0: Oh, sounds like a good eclectic mix of books. It's been not too bad. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Alicia? What you reading, Darla? Well, not Jordan Peterson.
1: Um, actually, lately, I have uh, just been reading a lot of theory, uh, so I'm super boring. Um, one of the members of my committee promised me a package of books, basically, if I am a good girl and read lots of uh, Zizek, so... <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading a lot of Zizek and Judith Butler, so please send um, pain medicine, headache pills, and booze I was to my say house. Booze,
0: booze. Yes, you definitely need booze with that.
1: Uh, but reading some of Judith Butler's stuff on critique and uh, and dissent has been has been really good. Like I, one of the essays that I've been reading, I've read before, but I have a new understanding of it now. Um. But, I mean, as much as I like Judith Butler, she's a hard read even for me. I don't have the background that a lot of my colleagues do in, like, theory. Because I switched to Retcomp comp from uh, creative writing. So it's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm still suffering every day. Um, my elder child got um, this book to Nimona um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he's already finished it, so I started it. And it, it's, it's really good so far. It's a graphic novel. Uh, and apparently it's being made into a film. So I can recommend that. Uh, it's about a, a young shapeshifter. And it's a nice emotional story. But I don't know yet where it's going to go. Uh, but it's good. So that's my fun reading right now
0: um well the only i think new thing that i'm what am I reading um oh i know what i'm reading i'm reading uh algorithms of oppression uh by sophia Aww. noble um which is a really uh interesting which is a, a really interesting book um and it was the, the book was already on my radar but i think after she started to uh catch crap about the book before it was even published um from uh You know, your usual dudes who were like, What are you talking about? Of course, you know, of course, you know, technology is is totally and completely uh, objective and there can't be any oppression in algorithms. Um, Of course, this woman is making all this up, right? And then they were like, Well, have you read the book? And they were like, "Uh, No, but we know she's making it up. Um, So after that, I was like, I have to throw money at this, even, you know, even if, you know, I'm I'm like horrible. I'm like, I'm going to throw money at this no matter what. Uh, But the book is amazing. Um, So that's what I've been reading lately. Haven't been doing a lot of reading because I've been doing so much traveling lately to give stupid talks. Not stupid talks. To give talks. (laughs) Um, So I haven't had a... I I like giving talks. I shouldn't say stupid talks. I feel that way when I've been traveling a lot and I'm tired (laughs) of traveling.
1: Um, I want to talk about this book real quick. Yes. Because we actually had a project that we started um, in some class. Mm -hmm. uh, Because we noticed... Some of the stuff that she talks about in Algorithms of Oppression, yes. right? Yes, Like
0: Like,
1: uh, our professor had us comparing um, just the kind of stuff that came, like, literally the the information that you found, not the searches, mm-hmm. uh, on, like, Cesar Chavez, Martin Luther King, and then some other activists. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started to notice what, like, auto, the autocomplete would put in. Yes. And it was, it was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um so we had a huge amount of notes. So I was both really excited and also somewhat disappointed to see that book up here because I was like, "Damn, we were going to write an article, but also look, we're validated." Um and I have my students recreate some of those exercises in class, right? Because I want them thinking about like how to read search results yeah. and not just accepting what the computer feeds to them. Um, and this is the issue I have with a lot of like, well, computers are totally pure, right? Because everything is programmed by a human yeah. and we're all flawed. So, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm really excited to read that book that is next on my list.
0: Or even, you know, even the way like search engines learn, right? Because they, yeah. they do, right? I mean, if it was it was like less than 10 years ago that everybody was talking about how to Google bomb so that they could get, so you people could get the results that they wanted them, other people to oh, yeah. get when they searched for a presidential candidate, for example. Or, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> I guess everybody's forgotten that already, right? So now. Now technology is pure and pure and, and angelic, once again, because everybody's forgotten Google bombing and also forgotten, you know what, they're, that, you know, people come to whatever they are doing, whatever they are programming with their own thoughts, issues and biases to begin oh, with, yeah. right? Um,
1: well, and plus, if the search engine learns you as like a human, like when I search stuff about avatars, the search engines return things like here are issues of representation with avatars because the search engines know me Mm -hmm. now. They're like, Oh, this is Alicia. She's totally searching for some shit about representation. Yeah. Um, but if I complete those same searches on a different computer or I'm not logged in, I get, you know, wildly different results. I search for avatar and it's like avatar, the last airbender, you know, it's like totally different. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's impossible to ignore. um, I mean, these systems are so entwined with who we are as humans that it's really interesting to consider, like where the system ends and where the human begins, and vice versa.
0: hmm Yeah. So you know what we're gonna have to do? We're gonna have to once we're all done reading this book because you're gonna read it too. So once yeah, we're-, we're gonna have to have a round table. Yeah, we're gonna have a round table. We're gonna talk about the book. Um, that's gonna be fun. That's all
1: right, fine. I'm good with it.
0: <laughs> so let's jump to the real fun part: is the the what you're drinking part? Um, a
1: lot because of my cough.
0: That's a good excuse. Oh, you said
1: what? Not how much.
0: <laughs> that's a good excuse.
1: She says, pouring more into her glass.
0: Um, Kevin, I don't, I don't know if I warned you about the what you drink at part. Um, I don't know if that's in the guest document that I sent out. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're academics, so we drink a lot. Drink. Yeah, that's, that is. that's great. <laughs> it's like, we have to. Um, but but you're in Canada, and that's like a requirement. I'm from Michigan, so I completely understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what are you drinking? Uh, anything fun, interesting?
2: Well, uh, recently, my, about a year ago, my closest friend married a hardcore German family. Um, and so they, mm. they sort of brought me into their German crew, and now I can't stop drinking German beer. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And I remember the first time I met the, uh, the father of my friend's uh, wife he said would you would you like a beer and i said yeah or maybe a corona or something he said oh like that's great i can get you some dishwater too if you'd like that as well I'm i kind
0: of went with that one yeah i quickly figured
2: out that i need to settle down and i need to learn what this gentleman recommends is what i drink and so at first i was getting just wrecked by this by this gentleman's uh, hardcore german lagers and now i can't drink anything but it and now i'll go to a bar and someone hands me you know something lesser and i'll just sort of like throw it at him and say how dare you it's dishwater so it's the the transformation is <laughs> complete i've also um in preparation for the next project we're working on i'm having a lot of glenfiddich
0: oh Ooh. i feel like that's, that's a project i can clue. get behind yeah i know i want to do some research <laughs> for this nice all right alicia uh not how much are you drinking but what are oh. you drinking darling okay well,
1: before I tell you, I do want to tell you that on Saturday, I attended a class on brewing beer, uh, which came with free beer, so it was very exciting. <laughs> um, a little a little weird, a little like, I don't know, we just decided to see what the city needed and we didn't know how to brew beer, so we started, which was, you know, like, privilege on parade, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I did get to eat some malt, though, some like, that was interesting. Um, But now I know a lot more about how beer gets made, so I'm really excited, but I'm not drinking beer tonight. I am drinking whiskey ginger because I can drink a lot of it uh, quickly, which helps my (laughs) chest. Look, I'm sorry. It's not that I'm just a crazy booze hound. It's just that I'm dying. I have chloroceptic. I have robitussin. I can't have cough drops anymore because they're bad for my body. So it's like chloroceptic, robitussin, and whiskey. All right, this is my life now, and I'll have my inhaler right here, and I have my super inhaled steroid inhaler also. Um, so if you need to know what my life is, right now it's being a, medic- a medicinal octopus.
0: That's Super nice. fun times. That's nice, though. What are you drinking, Sam? <laughs> uh, we are drinking buddies and twins, apparently, tonight, because I am also drinking whiskey ginger. Um, I found... I brought you into the fold. You did! Um... I, I actually found locally the Fever Tree Ginger Beer and not the Ginger Ale, um, which is much better than the Ginger Ale. BRB driving to Sam's. <laughs> they didn't have it at Sam's. I got this at. No, I mean to your house. Oh, to... <laughs> OK. Yeah. Well, I have some because I picked up a little extra. Um, but the Fever Tree Ginger Beer, which is has a little citrus and a whole lot of ginger bite to it. <sighs> Um, unfortunately, it does come in these little teeny tiny bottles, um, so we yeah, have so to good. pop a lot of them. Um, so I am drinking a Jack Daniels and Fever Tree ginger beer because because mm-hmm. of the citrusiness of the of the ginger beer, I, the sour mash whiskey just kind of m- melds really well with it, and I'm all over that. I'm all over that. So, but but I'm pacing myself tonight because we have a guest. And I don't want to have like four of them and get sloppy, so I'm being good. I'm not sorry, not sorry, but
1: um, I can usually keep it together pretty well, so it'll be okay. Plus, I want you to like me, so because I really like your game, um, so I'm gonna be good.
2: Good job.
0: <laughs> He's like, oh I'll my god, these lot. women.
2: I no, no, I had uh, I had someone interview me, and they were they were just flat out drunk. They were it was they were drunk. Um, and they were asking questions about <laughs> things that I don't think a psychiatrist should ask about a marriage. So, anyway, oh, uh, wow. I, think, I think we're on a good We're not going to so do that.
1: I promise you that. Probably.
0: Yeah, we're usually pretty At good.
1: At least an 85% probability.
0: Yeah. We're pretty good. We pace ourselves, and we have a rule that we usually don't start drinking until the podcast starts. So, <laughs> usually, I don't know what Alicia's been doing tonight. All right. <laughs> so, that takes us through which play, and which reading, which. I've which been read. working, <laughs> said she. So let's talk about this game, which is pretty amazing um, because it's a, it's, I love indie games. Um, let me just, every, but everybody knows that because I'm playing indie games all the time. Um, and so when this one like came on my radar and I was like, it's a, it's a space game, right? And I like space games. I'm a huge, to talk about AAA titles, right? I'm a huge Mass Effect fan. But then I also play like all the smaller like, Um, space games that come out like the Tacomas and like there's the the new one that just came out like this week, like surviving Mars or something um, is on my radar and I want to pick that one up. But then the station, I was like, this looks really interesting because I also, my, um, my kind of dirty little secret is that I love mysteries of all kinds. Right. So when it was like sci-fi mystery on a space station, I was like, this has my name written all over it. Um, Tell us, tell me this. I got it. This is the first question I have. Where did the idea for this game come from? Yes,
1: I want to know about the inspiration.
2: Mm, you know, it's 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 always really awkward because I'm always wanting to say a really beautiful way, like I was lying in a you know, bed of roses, and all of a oh, sudden. Don't lie. But no, it's yeah. uh, I was actually at the plant store buying cactus mix, and I thought that would be sick. So uh, uh, that's that's really it's sad, but that's really where it came from. No, um, that's such a better answer. Yes. I mean cactus mix that'll that'll get you where you want to go
1: no I mean I before I, when I had time before they put me in a phd program and I didn't have any time I wrote a lot of fiction and people would ask me where'd your story c- stories come from I'd be like uh, I can't sleep at night so I make shit up while I'm trying to fall asleep and it's not exciting um so I want to hear all about the connection between cactus mix and uh, interstellar travel
2: you know I really don't have a way to bridge them and that's the funny thing I that's okay. uh, I so I mean the, the preamble of where this all came from was I was working on an MMO project uh, I had just come off a previous MMO project before that one and so needless to say I was burned out on MMOs and I was working with uh, the former head of Radical Entertainment uh, that's the his name is Dave Fraccia and he's a big to do in the Canadian game industry he. He was involved for the prototype series. Uh, he his studio didn't was involved Destiny. So this guy knows what he's doing. And I was working on this MMO project with him, and we instantly just hit it off in terms of really connected. I mean, in games, there's so many different personalities, and I just was in love with Dave. Uh, he's so funny. And so I we were chatting one day um, just about different stuff, projects were jostling, and I pitched him a concept on on this story I was working on, and we heard it. He loved it, and we started working on it next week. So, that's, I mean, that's really where it came from.
0: I love
1: it.
2: So, there's an interesting story
0: behind how this game came to be with the people that it came to be with. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so... Because this is, a, when I remember when I first saw this and I was, I played this game and I was like, so I was like, what studio is this? And I was like, The Station by The Station Games. Um, okay. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you guys came together or who you all are?
2: So the majority of us are just from the AAA circuit. Uh, we've got people coming off of Riot, Ubisoft um 3h studios uh, radical a uh, it's just it's bl- a little bit of a who's who um and coming off of uh these projects where how do i say this politically uh there are some projects <laughs> that you work on and you're not very inspired by the media mm-hmm. uh, to give a really quick example i i uh, I'm, uh i knew the guy who did a lot of the animation in the dead space series and mm-hmm. I was I was chatting with him one evening, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he said, well, it's going okay. Uh, I'm in PTSD therapy right now. I'm like, oh, how come? And he's like, well, I just had a daughter, and I've been animating dead babies for the last six months, so I've been having mm. trouble with life. And I go, yeah, okay. Man. So um, there is there is this reality that there's a lot, and I love AAA, and I love indie development. There is a reality where there's certain kinds of content that really does not mirror as the reasons as to why you get into game development in the first place mm-hmm. so uh, I'm huge on story I just love story in games if I don't if I don't understand the story I don't want to work on the project and that sounds pretentious oh, but I, that's to no what that motivates makes
1: me. it whole sense
2: yeah so I had been working on projects that I would say were less than inspiring when it comes to the story and I was discouraged by that and I th- I would maybe allude I won't speak for other people on the team but I would allude maybe they were in the same position uh, because as soon as I pitched them on the idea that you know what Let's, let's knock out combat. Let's knock out anything that is not to do with the central st- pillar of storytelling. We're just going to focus on story. Let's build a beautiful narrative. And I pitched him on the, the idea. Uh, after reaching out to Dave and, and getting him as uh, the executive producer of the project, we just reached out to our you know our friends, people who had we, we had uh, worked on in former projects. And uh, within a few days, we had our team roster built out. So we were... Starting production, and it was really funny. We got we got basically done, and then when you're you know in the back end of Steam, when you're filling out your forms with PlayStation, they ask you things like, okay, what's your studio name? And I remember I remember leaning back in my chair, going, we must have discussed this at some point, right? Like we must have a studio name, and we didn't. We we just uh, we really came together to say like let's <laughs> let's tell some like a really rich story. And uh, if people like it, we'll keep working together as a team. If people don't, that's okay. Um, and so we didn't come up with a studio name. We just said, like, let's let's just do this. So uh, we really didn't have a name. We just said, well, let's just take the legal incorporation doc name that we have and, and go with that. And so... People keep people keep saying, like, oh, there's this new studio, the station game. And I'm like, uh, not wrong, but you're not right. So <laughs> at some point, we need to circle back and announce that. It was funny. We were working with our PR team, and they said, uh, you know, so what's your studio name? And I said, you know what? That's what I was supposed to do last week. I was supposed to come up with a studio name. So we've been mulling over stuff, and uh, we actually came to the decision as we're launching that, you know what? and this is not a not a shot at anybody it's just i know a lot of studios that don't even have a game made they're like announcing so and so studios but yeah. they they have no sort of portfolio of what they're about what they're trying to do mm-hmm. and so we said let's actually not be let's not be the studio let's not represent who we are our reputations let's not represent what we what projects we've worked on let's instead just say here there's a game it speaks for itself if you like it that's amazing if you don't that's that's even that's great so our goal was to not sort of put ourselves forward as a name and face. I've worked on a couple projects where it's not even the game content that you're interacting with in the, in the circuit. You're, it's just the, like a few individuals who really have a reputation. And I always find that generally doesn't produce, how do I say this right? It, it's, it's just to me a little bit backwards. I want the game to speak. So uh, again, we are excited to formalize as a studio based on the results that we're seeing with the station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll be figuring out the name soon.
0: That was going to be my question. I mean, because I, I know I love the game. Uh, and Alicia, and I know because Alicia and I talked about it, I won't speak for her, but I think she mm-hmm. liked it too a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and, but other folks that I, everybody else that I've talked to that played the game really enjoyed it. Um, and I was going to ask, you know, what has, you know, outside of my small circle of friends, right, what has reception been like for you guys on this
2: game? Oh, well, I mean, it's we were we were really pleased. So across all of our platforms, uh, user scores are between eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, right now, the biggest the biggest seller is actually Xbox. I didn't expect that. But we're right now hovering between like a 4.4 4 and a 4.5 out of five. So yeah, the
1: reviews were really good. Yeah, I was excited.
2: Yeah. It, and it's, it's always really funny. Um, the, there's certain, there's certain genres of game that I've worked on. The more, I always had a rule of thumb that the more artistic a game is, the less deviation in critics and critic reception there is. The more realistic a game is, the more open to interpretation and then like, or dislike there is. So yeah, a uh, huge spread. We had people say like opening day, like, wow, uh, we had reviewers say, you know, really was moved by this we had other people sending death threats so you gotta have the spread you gotta have that wide wide you gotta expect
1: the death threats because what's the game industry without
2: that am i right right oh for sure
1: no i think that what you said was really interesting and can we unpack
2: that just a little bit more
1: about this idea of like art versus realism
2: oh for sure yeah
1: where do you think that comes from
2: Oh, so, okay. Um, The way I've always looked at it, and this is my perspective, and I'm not speaking for anyone else on my team, I'm not speaking for any of my past clients, but the the way I've always interpreted game design is that uh, games have nothing, in my opinion, nothing to do with the physical mechanization and the extension of yourself. So, for instance, when I'm driving a car, that car becomes my legs right? That mm-hmm. car is the extension of me. Uh, games are not really meant to facilitate that, in my opinion, right? I mean, if I'm using, uh, if I'm using some sort of weird uh, device that lets me control a robot on Mars to do mining, right? It's an entire utilitarian facility. It's a, it's a mechanic driven around how well can I execute what I'm trying to do. Um, games are entirely driven around the artistic nature of something. They're, they're entirely drawn about, let's create an atmosphere, a tone, a voice, a style, a personality. And you get embroiled into that. Now, just as when you meet people, uh, you either like or dislike them. When you meet games, games have a personality and an embodiment of themselves. So, I, I find it's really normal that the more artistic a game is. Like, let's take Journey. I've never met someone who didn't like Journey. I've never met someone who didn't Damn like. <laughs>
1: there,
2: there we go. So, the the reality is is uh, when you go for something that's hyper realistic, you are now comparing yourself. I mean, that's what the station yeah. is. We no, went for realism. and this is really
1: important. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you're just really. You're, the problem is, is with art. There's if it's super, if it's super um, niche and and creating its own. Uh, perceptual mapping of what it's trying to create, you're not comparing it against anything. You're going, well, it is what it is. I either like it or I don't like it, but it is what it is. When it's a realism title, you're comparing it against the benchmark of reality, and so it's easier to subjectively go, well, you know what? If I use my washing machine in real life, it does a load in 30 minutes. This game... This game is 27 minutes. I can't get immersed. I can't get immersed.
1: So you're, you're pitting the game against any individual player's lifetime of anecdotal experience. Yeah. Um, that's a really interesting perspective that I don't think has been discussed enough. Uh, and, you know, it's such a, an interesting thing, right, with, like, games exist as a media form in a way that no other media does. Right? Like, mm-hmm. user reviews are weighed almost as important as professional reviews. And that doesn't happen with, like, movies. That doesn't happen with books, really. Um, you might have things like Goodreads, but you still end up with a, a different kind of perspective on how those reviews are read. But games are such a an interesting personal experience, right? Like, everybody's going to have a different time when they put themselves into that system. Mm-hmm. And it's like we know that even if we don't talk about it in those terms. So I I think this is this is a really important discussion that we just don't have enough. But something that's that's more artistic versus realistic is more abstract and open to interpretation. And we're like, well, okay, that's just your perspective, man. But uh, the realism we can all kind of get behind, like this is realistic or not, because we all have a general frame of reference we can compare it to.
0: And we all come, yeah. With, oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say we all come with different expectations, right? Because I mean, I I have to I have always come to games with certain expectations. And it usually takes me a minute or two to say to myself, okay, you can't put your expectations from past games on this new experience. You have to experience this new experience as a new experience. And I had, and I did that when I was, when I started playing the station because I started playing it for like the first 20 minutes of the game or so, I was like totally on edge. I was like, when is something going to jump out at me and I'm going to have to start fighting. And then I was like, wait, this is not that kind of game. Um, So, I mean, and then like when you go into the, uh, the common area, like the, the, the common area, like the sitting area and you look up and there is that figure in the uh, in the window above, right I spent like the next i spent like the next half an hour like looking around corners right because yeah. I have this expectation of what is going to happen in a game like this, and it and because I came with those expectations and i couldn't immediately let go of them that was a, that was a big part of the reason that I said to myself, I need to replay this game so that I can experience this narrative in the way that it was meant to be experienced and not come into it with. Oh my God, I'm going to have to fight everything and be totally on edge and missing a lot of the nuance (laughs) that I missed the first. I know I'm always expecting to fight stuff, right? I know. Um, But missing a lot of the nuance that I missed that first time through um, because the story is amazing. Um, I'm sorry, Kevin, I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: No. And thank you so much for your lovely words. I really appreciate that. Um, The, you're really hitting on it exactly the way I would define it as well. Um, a, a game is what it is. Uh, I've always struggled. I, I once was speaking to the uh, Alex. He was the head of uh, design at uh, Ubisoft for Assassin's Creed, and he was talking about how you, know, you can either like a story or you don't like it, but there's no such thing as a good story or a bad story. The story is what it is. Um, the, a game is what it is. It's not necessarily a bad or a good game. If it works, it's a game, and you may not like it, or you don't like it, you know, it's really on those terms. And I, I still haven't really decided if I agree with that mandate yet, but you, you are correct in the sense that one of the biggest things we have uh, had is, you know, during playtesting, it was really hard to set expectations. I mean, uh, I wasn't in charge of the playtesting. I wasn't running the, the uh, events, but we would have people sit down and the goal was in, in any playtesting scenario, don't you know, give them what you would give a consumer in terms of information mm-hmm. and let, let it go. Don't try and dictate. Don't try and control things. Uh, don't try and guide the experience. And so we had we had people sit down and I was watching the gameplay footage and these people were playing it, bless their hearts, as a first person shooter. They were like ducking in, in like behind walls and like it was really interesting. Um, so, you know, the, again, the style that you bring into the game helps dictate the experience or hinders it. I'm not sure which one. Mm-hmm.
1: interesting that i hate to say just say it's interesting that's so basic um but that that you're so aware of of those potential levels of player engagement right i feel like there are like we've interviewed a lot of game developers on the podcast over the years and some of them are very cognizant of that idea of like what is the person going to come come with already in place to this game and some are not. Some are like very, you know, this is my message, this is what I want to get across, and it is what it is. Um, uh, but the real answer, if there is an answer, is in the middle, right? Because it's a combination of what the player brings to the experience and what the game has to offer. Mm. And it's what happens when those two things mesh. Um, and I think that what happens here, I, I spend a lot of time reading the Steam reviews of this game. I've been reading a lot of reviews lately. i read the Xbox reviews or the Steam reviews. Um, but lately i found reviews just in general very fascinating. And there was a huge split between people who predicted the ending and people who didn't, and there was like a fight on Steam oh, yeah. <laughs> between these two <laughs> that factions. That was a good fight. That was a yeah, good fight. I know. And people were like, I don't know, it was really predictable to me. And people were like, well, just because you predicted it doesn't mean it was predictable. Um, but it was really funny the things that people hinge their prediction or lack thereof on. Mm-hmm. Like, what I thought was going on was not it. I was really suspicious of one of the characters. And I was like, this motherfucker is causing everything. (laughs) Um, Until I got to the paintings, and then I changed my mind. Uh, Really? Yeah, but but just watching all these different people and, like, what they brought into the game with them and, and how it framed their assumptions was really fascinating to me. Because I think there's a lot there that's worth unpacking. And it's how we read these clues. Because the game has a variety of clues that can be read in different ways. One thing that I thought was interesting is that everybody found Aiden, who's like the engineer, Mm -hmm. relatively sympathetic. But why people found him sympathetic was very, very changeable. Mm -hmm. Right? There was no firm foundation there. There were a lot of reasons to empathize with Aiden. But what people selected was fascinating and part of it was based on like what they encountered in the game and part of it was based on like how they personally identified with him Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and part of it was based on both so i don't know i mean it's just it's it's almost impossible to estimate how a game is going to be read once it's released into the world absolutely and i think that it's really cool with this game in particular which positions the player in such a both connected and non-connected space like you're not actually part of the action but the action is happening around you and you have to read it
2: yeah you know you hit on two things there i'll, I'll touch on so i mean character design i knew that character design was finished when we would run our play tests and we would run them like dnd style so i would basically you know be larping hard and uh just taking groups of people and running them through i would you know head on down to a local university and just say anyone who studies game design come to this class get in there And it was a lot of fun because we we would do then post surveys and we would say, "Let me just ask you a series of questions." I knew it was done. I knew we were done with the narrative when there was an almost equal distribution of people who liked every type of character, and it was really funny because the goal from the very beginning was we don't want to tell a story. We want to show a story, and I think there's a very big difference. I think you guys probably know the difference, and. I was really frustrated by the amount of people who wanted something really explicit. They want they would, you know, right after the gameplay go, "Oh right, so who did it?" You know, it's a mystery game, so who did it? And I would say, "Exactly. Who who did it? Who do you think did it?" And the whole idea was to pose shades of gray, not 50 shades because that's taken by someone else, but we really wanted to focus on what kind of person identifies with what kind of character. And so by digging into certain kinds of clues, by digging into certain kinds of traits of a person in these characters you start to identify with them and so by the end we were having like we would ask who's your favorite character and why and it was basically a 30 30 or a 30 30 30 split on all the characters
1: so i've got i wanted to laugh during that but i was coughing so i was muted on
2: every possible (laughs) channel (laughs) that's totally fair i i uh I'm never sure when these jokes are going to go well, so let's. We'll just, I, I was terrified. I was like, oh, tough crowd, move on. No, no, okay, no, so, it
1: was funny. No, Sam, hang on. Okay. So the audience can't see this right now, but Kevin's on, cam- I'm sorry, Kev, is on camera. And he's standing, and he's so intent about what he's saying. And I love watching him right now, and I wish that everybody could see him. Um, because he's so into talking about this game and like the way people identify with these characters, it's kind of cool. Uh I just wanted to make that observation.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs>
1: so It it makes me want to go back and play it. I mean, I already wanted to play it again because I missed <laughs> some things. But it makes me want to go back and play it again for other reasons to like read a little bit more deeply into these characters. I really liked the captain. Uh and I often identify, of course, more strongly with female characters, but I I really liked the nuance that went in her, like she was jealous and bitter and angry, but also really cognizant of what was going on and the wider implications and there was so much there <laughs> that was worth unpacking and I felt like I only barely scratched the surface because like any time I saw something or I heard something I would run off in another direction and I would miss like a hundred things. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know how you
0: played it, Sam, but it might be really interesting to compare. So, I have my own like you you were like Mila was bitter and jealous. I was like Mila was justified in everything she did. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying she wasn't justified,
1: but I think that 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 looking at her interactions with the other characters and and all of the wider implications of what was going on, like this was a very this was a game that was not afraid to to talk about capitalism and the effects of capitalism right which is something that doesn't happen very often Mm -hmm. uh and but it just becomes part of the narrative like it's not the central point of the narrative it's just part of this world that's constructed and it makes it feel very robust and realistic that there are all these different factors that you can consider right if you want to focus more on like mila and her personal relationships you can if you want to focus on the wider systems and, like, the, the political situation, you can. Mm-hmm. If you want to focus on the combination of those things and how they intersect, you can. This game can be read a dozen or more different ways, and yeah. that was amazing.
2: It, it Thank you. Was. Thank you. It actually it's, uh, was there's been a couple instances where people reach out to me and they go, you know what, the way you injected that narrative to really, you know, take it to the man and to really be, you know, such a, such a left-wing commentary. I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. And then I've had other people come forward and be like, you know, your ultra right-wing views are not welcome on, on this channel, but I, I respect your right to say them. And I said, Oh, Oh geez. So uh, I've quickly, I've quickly learned that I'm terrified. Um, you know, and and I'm grateful that I, I didn't really plan for, for any of this. I was just excited by the story. Um, you know, the, the themes, you're, you're totally right, guys, though. I mean, you can go micro or macro, and I think it's fascinating. Uh, Like, I was the one who wrote it, but yet I'm still fascinated by it. Like, (laughs) my favorite, my favorite thing was the, the leaving the interpretation of these characters, right? So, I mean, Mila, you either have to decide... You can't can't go in the middle here. You have to pick that either she's an insubordinate captain who could have led to the entire situation that happened on board, right? When she's asked very explicitly to do something by email by her superior. And you don't know what that order was, right? So she either was insubordinate and led to the situation that happened, or she was an altruistic moral person who rejected authoritarianism. You have to make the decision. And I find that fascinating because people depending on the traits they bring into the game, yeah. they identify with someone. And so I love hearing, you know what? Yeah. I hated it when she did this. I loved it when she did that. But then on the macro stage, I love... Um, the themes that I've never seen explored in sci-fi before, which is what we were so excited to do, was look at... Uh, I, mean, I would say the main one is intergalactic imperialism, right? You, you discover an alien civilization. What's the next step? Do you grant them human rights? Like, does an alien have a human Right. How do you explore all like stewardship? The idea of they don't know you're there. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? Right? What's what's your role as an advocate of their success? And how do you define success? All these questions were what I was really excited to explore.
1: Yeah, Sam, I want to go off book here. Okay. Is that okay? Yes, you may. Okay. So like we had some questions, but like fuck it, right? Um, <laughs> my question for you is that my my secret theory that is relatively unpopular is that a game only exists when it's played by a player. How do you think that that how would you weigh that idea in terms of the station?
2: Um that's a that's a great question. I I think it goes pretty far, but the only thing I think I would maybe perhaps as add as a dialogue is I don't necessarily consider this to be a game. I consider this to be an experience or in a narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ooh. I throw people into, uh, like, I, when, we were, when we were focusing on this, we were really trying to nail down what the puzzle sort of overhead, broad, arching theme mm-hmm. is. And we picked intuitive problem solving. These puzzles are not, oh, no, I got to hack the door, so I better play pl- Pong for an hour. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't, we tried to always make sure you were immersed into first the actual gameplay and the story narrative so it makes sense. Second, we tried to intertwine you into the characters. We tried to immerse you. It Like, I mean, when you're solving a mechanical problem, hmm, right. you're meant to be guided into the process. Like, of the you mechanic. actually
1: have to look at the engine and figure out, like, okay, where are all the wires connected? Yes. Like, that was good. That was a puzzle that made sense. It wasn't just a puzzle for the sake of being a puzzle.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and so the second component was the fact that uh, the way, everyone has their own process. Everyone has their own process for writing stories and for approaching this. Mine was, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is mainstream or not. My my sister works on Broadway, and so I spend a lot of time talking to her about how she approaches character. But I tried to do a lot of uh, method uh, direction and method, uh, not acting, but method writing. And so what we did, and uh, you'll see in the documents that I that I shared out to you, is that you know a third of the game design documents are focused around the characters, are focused around getting to know a three dimensional character, uh, everything from their Myers Briggs to what motivates them, what's their history, how do how do you wrap up a character into an, an entire entity, how do you create a, an, a a person, and so then I would spend my evenings having a glass of wine, putting on music, and trying to talk to this person, trying to have, trying to see how they would how they would organize their lives, how they would view money, how they would view relationships, how they would review power, um, and fleshing out a character into a three-dimensional way and so the like I said you know 15 minutes ago we didn't want to tell a story we wanted to show a story and so what that meant was we set you know the whole game was one giant storytelling machine you know you walk into a room and it's a living scene mm-hmm. we're, we're not you know you're not walking over to a computer and they go I am a mechanic we've really tried to flesh out what that meant for a person what kind of motivations they would have in spite of their their grievances with life mm-hmm. so i hear what you're saying in terms of a game is only a game when the player's injected i, I think i i think i'm paraphrasing that um it, in this case i uh i don't know i think this is almost like a living story and the, the player becomes witness to it
1: no i really love that answer it makes me super happy
0: <laughs> so uh, the when we start talking about the ways that we experience it right because um for me, it started out with the char- with the characters, right? And I was really into the characters. I was really into Mila. Um I think probably because I probably saw a lot of myself in Mila. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can I can see this and and I would have done something similar, right? So as we started to 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 figure those the characters out and I'm not even going to talk about Silas. Um Yeah, right? Because <laughs> Silas was just too well written, I think, because Silas was not my favorite. We could just gonna leave it at that. Um
1: I thought Silas was responsible for everything.
0: Please continue. <laughs> it's like I don't like this while, dude. It that. must be him. Yes. It must be him. Yeah. Um until I got to the lab. Well and, and that's the thing, right? And then when you start to get into the like the actual mystery part of it, right, when you when you go through the labs and you start to see like you start to see the sketches and you started to, you start to read the lab notes and you start to see things like in the lab. And I was like, okay. So there were, uh, I'm trying not to. So I was like, well, this is not a spoiler. Right. And I was like, that's a human eye, right? And then we start to, like, go through and then I was like, but that's not, you know, that's not a human appendage, right? So, and we start to go through, and then, because I streamed this the first time I played it. The first time I played it through, I streamed it. I wish I had. Um, now. And one of the mods in my stream channel um, is finishing her PhD in microbiology. uh, (laughs) Nicole, what's up? Yes, Nicole. Right. So she was uh, she was there. And so things that I would miss, she would be like, go back, go back, go back. And then she'd be like, yeah. that's this. And I was like, oh, so I had a little help in figuring yeah. things out as we went along. But though, I,
1: if I just can say really quickly, a lot of this scientific shit, <laughs> those were really good clues. Like y'all did a very good yeah. job of seating just enough, but not too much which I think a lot of games fail at. That's all I wanted to say. I
2: I have to give a shout-out for that, too. Uh, I really did not want to be that guy who sort of said, like, it it, it happened because of space wizards! So I really Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure we had the the scientific backing to make this be plausible. So I actually ended up reaching out to the Canadian Space Society and saying, hey, uh, we're making a thing. Do you want to jump in and and sort of pick it apart with us? And so they went through everything that we were working on and built out a... uh, you know, a pretty a pretty comprehensive uh, audit of everything that we would need to make this backed by what our understanding of science is. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so great. I'm sorry. I'm just really excited right
0: now. No, I, I get, uh, you know,
2: I no,
1: get really ahead, excited
0: when when devs actually go out and find, like, factual information instead of relying on space wizards, right? Or you know. Wikipedia. <laughs> or, or, or Wikipedia, um. yes. Right, all those things because... Um for those of us who like even those of us who know like a little about science, right? When we see something that's like a glaring inaccuracy, it's just like really you couldn't have done better than that. Um so to have that there in that way was is one of the things that made it such a great. There are all of these little things in the station that come together to make it such a great game and that's one that's definitely one of them. Um well, thank you. I'm glad it paid off. Yeah, that was, it was. It was amazing. Please don't stop doing that. <laughs> keep keep doing that. Um, I want to go back and I want to go back to something Alicia said earlier because uh, you've been talking about this uh, since you since you finished playing the game and you like immediately texted me and was like, <laughs> I gotta ask about um, the paintings. The
1: paintings. Oh my God! I I swear I screenshotted every single painting <laughs> in Simon's room. Okay, so the re- there's a reason why though I paint not very well. Um, but I've been painting for a couple of years and when I see really interesting paintings in the world, I always take pictures of them. The paintings in Simon's room were so good and so they, they fit really well with like his, his internal puzzle and what was going on with him, but also they just really spoke to his character and I was very suspicious of Simon until I got to his space and I was like, I need to reconsider this. I just want to know where you guys got inspiration for Simon's paintings. I'm sorry, Sam. I just keep stepping on you. Say something, and I'm like, oh wait, 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 wait! I have like 400 things I have to say. No, that's but, awesome.
2: Uh, I get excited. So it's actually a pretty, pretty cool situation. Mm-hmm. So my father is a, a painter, and so he lives in uh, in Ottawa, but he spends a lot of time in southern France doing painting. And so when I was trying to construct this character of Silas, and you know the kind of intellectual that he was. Um, you know, my, my father is a man who fills his like his heart or his, his house with beautiful art. And so you, you walk around his house and it's just a gallery. And so I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, uh, I would love it if we could feature some of your art. And he does galleries and he does all these art shows all the time. And so oh I gosh. said, "Could you build a portfolio for me of your favorite abstract art that really blends into these emotions and characteristics?" And so he compiled all of them and that's his art.
0: That's so great.
2: That's pretty amazing.
0: That
1: makes me really happy. Like, I, I I can't remember the last time I was this excited about something. <laughs> well, tell tell him that I at least really appreciated his work because it was beautiful. And it really helped communicate the complexity of Simon. Like, I liked Mila and I liked Aiden, but I really felt like Simon was a fully realized character. Like, there was a lot going on there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, to me, I really fell in love with the character when I was working. Uh, so that's actually my sister's boyfriend, the voice actor, who did that work. He is, he is a, like unbelievably rising talent in Canada. Um, so he, I was in the, when he was in the booth and we were doing a recording, he just took this character and just fused it into reality. It was unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it was the audio acting that just exploded that character.
0: That was that was pretty amusing. Uh, his the the voice actor, right? Because uh, when we were when we were streaming, there were people in chat. and They were like, "Is that Tom Hanks?" And I was like, "No, this isn't Tom Hanks." I'm like, "It's clearly no. not Tom Hanks." They were like, "I think I just want to read Tom Hanks as this character." Um, um, but whatever. I I love, and that's another thing. The voice acting was so well done in this. Um, Mila's voice to me, and I, like I said, I think it's just because. Mm-hmm. Mila was just the the character for me. Uh, But Mila's voice to me was one that um, did an amazing job of letting us know what she was feeling at the moment, right? And in the moment. So it was like, okay, so there's a moment of panic. Um, Here's a moment where you can definitely sense the anxiety or the anger or, or you know even a little bit of hostility from time to time, but mm-hmm. specifically the way that she, um, she is she is not as unmalleable as you initially think she is. Um, she's very she's a little unmalleable with Silas, right? You know because because they've got they've got history, yeah, right? And then we, we we learn we learn at the end that that history may. Have rewritten itself, we'll put it that way um, but um, just like even in the way that she responds to and starts to respond to Aiden right Aiden the engineer um, when she she changes uh, and she has she sits down and she has a drink with him uh, and and then or we learn that from the glowy thought bubbles right or the glowy voice voice, voice bubbles or the uh, the voice recordings. Um, and then when you go into the room that has the conference table and you see the notes and she's like scratched out a note that says, you know, you can't drink on the job. And then it's scratched out and it says, you can't drink so much like during the day. Right. So she yeah. starts to understand what is going on, you know, not only with herself, but with those around her. So she becomes, uh, she becomes a much more sympathetic character herself. Um, as, as time goes on, um, these characters are amazing. Um, and I really loved to see even in this, this fairly brief, I mean, cause if you play straight through and, and you're not like looking at everything, you can finish it in two hours, but you miss a whole lot. So I don't recommend that for anyone. Um, but when you're talking about having a fuller experience, you're looking at double that, right? Cause to, to look at everything. But when you go through and you and you see this evolution of the characters themselves, right? you see growth within these characters in a three or four hour period, which is pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, the I Alex, uh, the voice actress of Mila, was a friend of mine I went to uh, I did some schooling with at one point. I, I know you're not supposed to do this, but when I was listening to the character of Mila in my head, I instantly heard, this this woman's voice, mm-hmm. and she she nailed it for me. We we th- we threw her into the booth just to like say you know potential character, what do you think? Uh, and she she was to me a ringer. She really drew the emotion out, and it was really uh, it was really f- incredible to watch her process because there were times where she'd come out of the booth sobbing, um, oh. and it f- it felt so real. Uh, and you know I got to tell one funny story. So we were we were doing the recording. It was the very last audio log. The very last audio log in the game by Mila. Mm-hmm. I think you know the intensity we're talking, right? Yes. So we needed to we needed to bring the tension up a bit, and uh, it was the end of the day. We were we were all a little bit uh, tired. So to, this this was one of the this to me was the moment that characterized the entire production. I'll never forget it. So I'm in the audio recording booth. I've got we've got an audio engineer on my right. I have two producers with me. And I'm, I'm uh, chatting with Alex while she's in the booth. And this is a scene where obviously she needs to uh, convey a sense of panic halfway through as the tension really starts to rise. Yeah. And so um, I, there was this one part where we tried different like, sort of role-playing to really build out that tension. And finally, my, uh, the executive producer, Dave, who is a fantastic audio coach and, and voice director, uh, said, you know what, Like, let's just run it again, run it again on repeat. And so he went over to the door of the booth, where she was in and started pounding on the door and like swearing at her and like saying he's going to break in and like kill her. It it was crazy. So <laughs> I was terrified because I look over at my audio engineer and he's got his head like just buried and he's like panicking. I look over at my producer. He's turned into the wall, like just in, in the wall, just hiding cowering i'm looking i'm looking at the the footage of alex in the booth and she's pan like she's like legitimately panicking and i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm gonna go to jail the, i'm at the union's gonna kill me like this is this is it i'm go- I the career's done people were walking past the hallway like looking through the window being like oh we'll just call security right now so that was uh that was how we got that scene wow well- it worked, yeah. but shit. <laughs> I remember we were paying for that therapy. I, I, yeah, I remember. We opened the door, and I was like, "Oh, okay, we're done. We're done for the day. Thank you." And I was, I was terrible. Luckily, that was her style of getting, you know, getting into character as well. But oh my like, gosh! Yeah. That also, was tense.
1: we love you, and please don't sue. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so. Okay, um, I know Alicia has another question, uh, but... but I do. I have a million questions, but well, one really big I one. I was like, we're not going to ask him a million questions. That would just be rude. <laughs> um, and I totally forgot what it was. Go ahead and ask your question, because that story well, just threw me all off. I know. <laughs> it's like,
1: whoa. No, okay. So, if you, for us at least, the history of game studies has broken down into two things. There's a lot of other things, but these are the two big ones. There's ludology which is like the game is the thing the mechanics the system whatever and then there's narratology uh which is just story and the meaning of story as though these things can't be like one right Mm -hmm. so here's what i want to ask you is and it's a complicated question and i'm sorry i'm just going to spring this on you how do you feel that story and mechanics are functioning here as one? And I want to ask you this specifically because you seem really knowledgeable about how the different levels of the game are working together. And it's not something that actually often gets talked about by game designers. How is the story feeding the mechanics and vice versa? Mm, Like, why is this a game and not a movie?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Alicia. So I... Uh, my way of approaching it, maybe again, very divergent from a lot of other folks, but the way I view it is, you have to put the the center of the game. You have to define what you're trying to do. You have to define what you're actually trying to do with your game. And so for me, it was let's put story as our cornerstone, as our pillar. The game is story. Story is king. And so when you're designing mechanics, it's actually very easy. You throw the story on the whiteboard, right? And you don't need to design anything, you actually just let it speak to you, you just let the experience speak to you. So, if I'm telling a story and I want people to be immersed, I want people to be able to hear voices, they need to be able to read, they need to be able to process what's going on, they need to be able to absorb it, well, do I want people chasing you? Do I want people to be frightening you and you more worried about watching what's behind you than you are about getting immersed into the text or the audio that you're listening to? Probably not. So. The majority of our mechanics, I mean, I don't know if you guys played Alien Isolation, love the mm-hmm. Alien Isolation. I don't remember a single thing about the story because I was constantly trying to remember how much <laughs> you know fuel was in my flamethrower to kill the xenomorph, right? So the problem to me is when you have a mismatch of what the mechanics are and what the story you're trying to tell is. So for me, I love exploring places. I absolutely love understanding the space I'm in. So for me, we, we again, put the story on the board. That's the mandate. Then the, the behaviors spring forth from that. Well. The story is something that we're not going to tell you what it is. We're going to show it to you what it is. So find the story. So that meant you're opening things. You're opening drawers. You're reading things. You're picking things up. You're 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 really exploring things. You're t- reaching out and grabbing things. You're inspecting things. You're-
1: Every individual book that had a different title. Yes. Yeah. That was amazing, and, by the way.
2: And so you know the problem is is when you say to yourself story and story is gonna be shown, not told, and then you don't do things like add individual book titles. And I don't know if you notice this, but we spent I spent hours writing book titles based on where you were in the game. So if you're in Silas's room, if you're in Mila's room, you I totally content. noticed. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that not only fleshes out more about the character in terms of what she's reading, but it really speaks to where yeah. we're at in society when you're reading books of that narrative, of that style. So To me, the mechanics spring forth based on what the story is asking for. And that was what we tried to do in every instance. We tried to make it so puzzles were based around you having to discover what the puzzle is. We tried to train you very early on that we're not going to hold your hand and say, go do this, go do that. We let you stumble your way through like you're in charge. You need to figure out what's going on. What's the price you're willing to pay to get through that door? How much... How much stress are you gonna? How much are you gonna dawdle around looking for stuff like that? And we tried to. I mean, the, the behavioral cycle was very simple. You enter a new room. We, you know, you, we expose you to dark areas. You have to find the mystery. So you're going into different little spots in the maintenance room, and you can see Aiden's written rules of how you play the spiral drinking game. You know, hiding <laughs> things all around the station so that it's meant I to be. I love that drinking game
1: so much. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: So it's really, to me, as simple as just saying, you know, what what is the game asking for? The game is asking you to tell a story. It's it's trying to let you explore it. So how do you do that and what mechanics best implement that?
0: Yeah, and I I noticed the books and that was really interesting. Like for example, with Silas, right? At the beginning, you've got more books that are just kind of feeding into his scholarship and feeding to whatever he's working on. But about midway through the game, you start to find the books that have a lot to do with ethics. And I was like, "Oh, so Silas is not maybe as bad as I want him to be, but still he's Silas, and I can't back off from what i <laughs> from what I originally thought. Um so I mean, like I said, I think it is these like little things that come together that, if you spend the time, like paying attention to the little things in the game, like the book titles, like the painting, Like harmony. <laughs> you, you get all of this, right? And you get a larger read on the individual characters as yeah. well, outside of what the story is that's on the surface and what interactions you even see between other characters um, uh, on the SBO, right? Uh, but but yeah. you get the inner workings, like what they're thinking, by, say, what they're reading, right? Yes.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Everything in the game
1: adds to something. Like, it's all... There are puzzles, but the entire quilt is one big puzzle that reveals something about what's going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the the real thing to me was the set pieces. Building the story by you actually seeing what the space was used by the characters to to do. Mm -hmm. And so... For us, it actually uh, came down. To, it's easy to write narrative when you understand the characters. It's easy to write dialogue between people and have funny quips and jokes and, and rhymes and stuff like that. But to me, it's under. Uh, you know, I would start reaching out to people who I knew were very similar to these characters, and just be like, "Hey, I'm going to come over and just look through your stuff." And it was it was really <laughs> fun because I, I I would start to meet characters very similar to some of these people, and in fact, they actually injected you know, reverse, they started to inject themselves into the story when I really came to understand how they how they were motivated. And um, and so, you know, when you look at Aiden, the way his room and his work is merged, you know, there is no separation. He's, there's none. There.
1: And his room is so sparse compared to the yeah. other two rooms.
2: We tried to throw his room directly against the maintenance, and there's a lot of allegory there in the sense that he never stops working. He's always trying to drown himself in work to get rid of what he's thinking about. I feel we, it. We really tried to, to delve into that because there's nothing there's nothing more uninspiring to me than when you say let me let me tell you about him you need to get to know him yourself
0: so yeah
1: like Mila and Silas had relaxation spaces and Aiden didn't and I noticed this and I felt like really bad for Aiden I was like god damn this man doesn't even get a fucking break like the ship is breaking around him he's worried about his family back home there's all this stuff going on and like his work never stops
0: well, he had the little Except corner. in this
1: moment in this little corner in the engineering room where he has a drinking game.
0: <laughs> no 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 exactly not the engineering game, in the corner in his quarters, right, where he had the the punching bags and there were the weights on the floor. Yes. That was it, right? But let me just say in talking about and talking about Aiden, right? Um, oh. and I had a thing for you know I have a children. I have a nine year old. I don't yes. deal well with children. Oh my children. god. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I don't yes. deal well with children in games. And this is not the this is not the story of No, I started to cry. Not necessarily the story it. of his daughter, right? But the but the plushie in the airlock.
2: Ah
0: uh, hurt my no. heart. <laughs> the fucking
1: plushie. Like I didn't even look at it. I didn't even like examine it. I just looked at it. I stood there and I looked at it and I was like
0: God damn it. <laughs> The plushie yeah, in the ears. This is uh, Abe's daughters.
2: I was, um, oh. that, that was, that no, that too. The whole team, that's like a collective, like, sore spot. Like, you mentioned <laughs> that. You're just like, yes, never forget. It and hurt um, my heart, yeah. I was, uh, I was, there was a Vancouver chapter of a video game club that they just all get together every week and play games and they reached out to me saying, hey, we're playing your game. Do you want to come join? I couldn't join them but they were, uh, you know, calling me every time they got stuck or wanted to chat about something and so, when they entered the engineering room and they found the plushie, and then they found, um, you know, the other thing that's a major thing, mm-hmm. they end up yeah. they took the plushie and they put that uh, with that character and they just left it there and they sent me a photo of it and I was like, oh, there's the feels right there. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: so many feels. I stood there for like I don't know, probably five minutes real time, and I just looked at that plushie, and I was like, I'm gonna examine this, and it's gonna make me feel a lot of things. <laughs> but I already know what it is and I can figure out what it means. And I'm really upset right now.
0: Well, there's a, there's a, there's a picture and a note in Aiden's room that explains it early on.
1: There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that Aiden like the thing in the engineering room. That's like the days until daddy comes home. And I'm like,
0: fuck,
1: (laughs) right in the fields.
0: right in the fields.
1: There were so many different items. And this is what I'm talking about with this idea of like, narrative harmony and so many games lack this and like look I mean I'm not trying to tell you that your game is not perfect all games have flaws right but I think where the station really succeeds is in this idea of ludonarrative harmony that a lot of games don't enjoy and that the puzzles and the movement and what you do and how you react and how you feel really comes together and that's a special thing yeah. So if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast, podcast, and you're like, I don't know, do I spend the money on the station? Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> is the
1: answer. Uh, and people are like, I oh, don't know, it doesn't have really replayability. That's bullshit because you're not going to be perfect on your first way through. Yeah, um, the big it's thing worth from it.
2: The replay, and you're very generous. Thank you. The the big thing that we tried to push, uh, and I, I totally sympathize. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to buy, you know, Factorio or PUBG or League of Legends, and they want a game that they can grind through, and I love those kinds of games. I also love story-driven narrative games. I love... I try and get my hands on every story I can I can play, because to me, those are those are the things that last forever. Yeah. Um, and the, the real thing that I tried to do with the replayability of the game uh, is... I wanted to we wanted to tell a story that would take two three hours to go through but you would spend two three weeks thinking about and the the real drawn-out process of you being able to think about stuff is we stitched in around I can I can personally count around seven or eight conspiracies right things that could have been the reason why the mystery like the answers to the mystery seven or eight different reasons and my favorite is uh, I mean I'm I'm already sort of emotionally putting the game to rest in in my heart but I the thing that I could do forever is sit and chat with people as they tell me who did it why and how they justify it because there's so many ways to interpret what happened
0: yeah yeah okay so we're not gonna keep you all night and I'm gonna ask you this question and this is a question that is like a non question but I always ask (laughs) if there was one thing that you wish we would have asked you about the game, about the process, about the station game company. (laughs) Um, So if it was one thing you wish we would have asked you, but we didn't tell us everything,
2: what, what would it be? You know, you actually asked some of the best questions. Um, the, the, this was a fantastic conversation because you, I can tell you guys actually were feeling what was being stitched into the game. Um, the amount of times I've had conversations, which I don't mind having, about the technical implementation, about the framework of Unity and the current state of uh, photogrammetry and what texture optimization allows you to do—that's cool. That's cool. But I really enjoy talking the story, which is what you guys nailed. Um, I would say uh, the the one thing that uh, I'm usually asked by people um, would be what's next for the what's next for our team yep. and, and yeah. what do we want to do with this. So. Our goal was with this with this game. Uh, this game would normally take around 18 months to produce. It's really not, as you know, it's not a, a very long title. And so we actually spent four years developing it. Well, I, I personally was involved for four years. Um, and it was because we wanted to define a new framework for how we're going to approach game production. The whole idea is that we want to take AAA level quality, so the same level of stringent uh, control that we run in quality assurance for AAA games, uh, the same procedure of doing uh, level gray boxing, everything. We wanted to do it at the highest level of of quality. We wanted to make sure that we were delivering something at the highest value we could. So the reason it took so long to to produce this title was because we were not just designing the game. We were designing the process to make games like this. Mm -hmm. So what we're so excited to do is, is start to dig into this process and really start to pump out titles along this style. Because the thing that's really been affirming for me is that there is a hunger for rich story in yes. games. There is a real desire for people to think about some of the more darker morality in life. Yes. And, you know, we tr- there was a very clear thing I tried to stay away from. Um, uh, there's many different perspectives and many different uh, faiths, faith backgrounds on our team. I'm no exception. And I wanted to be able to have conversations in this game uh, that were at what I would call the lowest common denominator. And what I mean by that is there's when someone's upset, when a character's upset, they talk, they don't swear, they don't get violent, they don't hit people. Uh, when two people are in love, they express that love through, through talking to each other. They're not making love in the closet somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, there is no gore, there is no swearing in the entire script. Uh, we tried to maintain a level of propriety that allows people of any kind of perspective to play this game in a safe way mm-hmm. that they can you know, interact with these themes in, in, uh, and, and these themes are, some of them are very common. Some of them are very progressive. We tried to focus on how we can make a game that all kind of ages can, can work with. You know, we were rated Peggy 12 and, and teen. So yeah. we've really tried to maintain a broad audience of who can, who can uh, interact with this. And, uh, yeah, that was our real mandate. And I really hope we hit it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to sit down with my eldest who just turned 10 and we're going to play it together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could. I mean, this is definitely something that that my daughter's almost 10 um, and this is definitely something because she likes mysteries as well. Right. And this is definitely something I feel like I could sit down with her and play as well. So I think you, I think you guys nailed it. Um, yeah. In terms and, of and being in able to that. discuss
1: things like the uh, the periodic table. Right. The layered periodic table and like how that was used will be really fascinating. Yes. We might just have to have you back.
2: <laughs> this has been uh, this has definitely been one of my favorite podcasts I've been on for the launch of this title so yeah that would be a pleasure
0: so yeah thanks so much for one thanks for making this game um, yeah two thanks so much for for you know agreeing to come on the podcast and talking to us about it and being so darn entertaining while you did it
1: uh, <laughs> like I said I wish everybody could just see him walking
0: around and like gesturing <laughs> Um, so I guess with that, it's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Um, and thanks so much to, to, uh, Kevin Harwood for, for talking to us about this game. Um, everybody go, if you haven't already played this game, you need to play it, um, right now. So as soon as the podcast is over, I want you to go to your Xbox. Uh, I want you to go to your PlayStation. I want you to go to Steam. I want you to buy it and I want you to play it. Um, and I, I just, can I just say really quickly, one of the best
1: reviews I saw said, That for the price of a movie ticket, I got something a little bit better than a movie. Yeah. Take that with you. You get something that's like a movie but interactive and that makes you think more than a movie will. Absolutely. So if you want to waffle over the price, take this moment and say, this is something I can insert myself into Mm -hmm. for the price of a movie, which you can't usually do. So it's worth it.
0: More than So that is going to bring us to the end of episode 169. Uh, And until next, so until next time, when we hit up uh, episode 170, uh, where we have some other exciting things going on, but we're not going to tell you what just yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'd like to say to everybody, um, stay warm, stay dry, stay safe. And as always, 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 my friends, game on. Game on we